0: Block Talk Radio.
1: I wanna be your dominated love slave. I wanna be the one who takes the pain. You
2: can spank me when I do not behave. Smack me in the forehead with
3: a chain. I love feeling dirty. And I love feeling cheap. And I love it when you hurt me. So dry, this staple's deep.
4: And <laughs> we're tonight's entertainment.
2: You're Magneto's right. There's a war coming. You sure you're on the right side?
5: new thing, And to prove how crazy it's gotten, Carl, tell us about the story that you posted on my wall earlier today.
6: (laughs) Well, there's a major theater chain that has decided to uh, uh, put plastic sheets on all their uh, seats for the showings of of, of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and it's because they figure the women are going to be uncontrollable, which, A, is sexist, and B, is just wrong. No, no, no. This cannot be true, but it is.
5: And honestly, if I knew that was true, I would know that every man in the world would probably go to the theater for the show <laughs> and not watch the movies. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh, good Lord! And I've
5: any research there. I've perused over the books, and my God, are they some of the worst Twilight fan fiction I've ever read in my life? Let
6: me tell you something. I've read porno novels better than that.
5: And yes, that's what Fifty Shades of Grey is. It was a Twilight fanfic. The author wrote, and they thought, ooh, that's good, but you don't have rights to the Twilight character. So if you change it, you can get it published as a book. And that's how we got the, th- the, the 30, 50 Shades of Grey trilogy, which is basically a compulsive controlling dick and a woman with no personality. Bows to who, him and signs He doesn't a have an email, mind so, you. Yes, he doesn't, doesn't have an, an email. email and nowadays. And he basically takes over her job and everything to control her. And they're making out to be a romantic hero when the best way to describe it is when we first in the 80s, you guys will agree with this, when we first heard the police every breath you take in the 80s. We thought that was such a beautiful, sweet love song, didn't we?
1: No. People, Uh, people People still play it at weddings, but it's kind of a disturbing tune.
5: Yeah, it's one of those, once you really listen to it and then watch the video again, you're like, this is some dark, scary shit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, once you hear Sting talk about, oh, this is a song about me wanting to stalk and kill my ex-wife. What?
6: (laughs) Yeah, wonderful, wonderful wedding music. Let me tell you.
5: In the third book, the girl accidentally gets pregnant. And what does our hero Christian Grey do? Oh, in his sweet romantic way, he tells her to abort the baby, or he will kill them both.
1: Well, if that's not true love, I I don't know what love is. Uh, well,
0: luckily, I political. don't know that's...
1: what love is. <laughs> okay, oh, Turner. Yeah, no I have no. no... I haven't, I have not read any of the books, you know, I, I'm only, uh, peripherally aware of the, the entire thing because, you know, I'm just a pop culture junkie, but, uh, yeah, I have not read any of the books. I, I, like you said, I understand that they began their, their lives as uh twilight fan fiction and just kind of spiraled out from there. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, good on you, I guess. If, if you can rip off someone else's work and, and make a mint off it on your own, but, uh, yeah, uh, the whole thing seems, you know, uh, well, we're, you know, uh, ostensibly we're going to discuss the, the whole, the phenomenon that is the movie. I've been looking at, uh, looking at the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, like, this really wants to be like uh, the image, you know, uh, uh, the Radley Metzger movie, the image, or like the uh, story. I will oh.
6: about the image.
1: Or you know the story yeah, of O or something, but, yeah. but but it re- but it really looks like it's going to be more like that Gary Marshall Exit to Eden movie to me. As far as oh, you know
5: you love Rosie O'Donnell in a bustier.
1: <laughs> you know what I do, but that's besides the point.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I just it you know. Uh, it just looks from the preview. That it just looks like they've they've missed the mark. And I guess that's why we're here, what we're here to talk about yeah, tonight. Yeah, that's is, you why you know, there's just a lot
5: of nominatrices and stuff, and I'm to see it. T- giving basic classes in H&M to try to unlearn everything that Fifty Shades of Grey teaches about it.
6: Right. <laughs> you know, I,
5: because I posted something in the book else. To even date him, she has to sign a contract.
0: Yeah, yeah, which, which,
5: you know, but like in the s world, when you sign a contract with somebody, that's the same as getting
7: married.
1: But, you know, again, like, as you and I were talking about, uh, you know, just the other day, it, you know, like I said, when you said, you know, talk about S&M movies, and I said, you mean, like, legitimate cinema, not just, like, porno, right? You know, and, yeah, that, obviously, yeah. that's what we're we're talking about, but... You know, uh, but you see that disconnect between uh, – it, it's almost like there's three layers to it. There is the straight-up, like, the porno aspect of it. Then there's the real-world uh, relationships that people have like that. And then there's this uh, this side of it, you know, the Fifty Shades of Grey, the, the soft, uh, weird misinterpretation of it that obviously has become mainstream at this point – Certainly. Uh, what, what did I read the other day online? That this movie has sold more uh, pre—they've they, done more pre-pre sale tickets for than any other movie ever. Yeah,
6: and they're they're looking at an opening weekend of seventy eighty million right now is what they're looking at.
5: People, like you said, the Fifty Shades of Grey wants to be the image, but no, it's going to end up being nine and a half weeks <laughs>
0: yeah. without the I badass
5: with soundtrack.
1: That what with, I, with, I went-, with, I, went Orton, with the, what? I went with exit to Eden because it was uh, more of a crap fest, but yeah nine and a half weeks is probably more where it's actually gonna land yeah, you're right up, you're right about that
5: without the bat that's the only thing that I really remember about nine and a half week is that it had an amazing fucking soundtrack.
6: I don't remember it. You couldn't go in a strip club uh,
5: for maybe a decade after nine and a half weeks without one of the girls working to uh, Joe Cocker's, and you can leave your hat on. That 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 I
6: do remember. I take that back. Um, my whole thing with this this genre and and I have to make this point is that S and M. There are certain films that talk about it as. Freedom for the woman and an empowering thing, and that I can deal with. But this type of film, which is basically soft core porn, that that degrades women in that that, and and many of these films do, and they are about degradation. Um, uh, I have a real real problem with that, and so so I came into this this idea that Stephen hit me this past week that we do this podcast with. A lot of trepidation, because I don't like it. I just don't and 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 the I'm thing very is, much is, the,
5: in the good ones, the ones that empower the women, there's a sense of mutual trust before anything starts
6: right exactly
5: and and 50 Shades of Grey, it's just and in, in 50 Shades of Grey it's just let me beat your ass, so I won't have nothing to do with you oh, I need a man, I must I must, spell and submit to him without even knowing what I'm getting into. Yeah, really.
6: You know, and yeah, it's and all about, he has the power, he has the money, and it's all this, this thing that, that people with power can manipulate people without power.
1: F- we're going to hate that. And, yeah, and the whole thing, good. the whole thing speaks to a naivete that just, doesn't have any reality to it, because, I mean, literally, like, you know, uh, uh, even even like my, my mother was like, uh eh, Fifty Shades of Grey, eh, there's better books, there's better porn out there, you know, it's like, my, you know, th- this isn't like a, you you have to live in a bubble to not know that a relationship like this could actually exist, and, and, and this, you know, the female character uh, in these books and in this movie is just kind of like, oh, what? You want to do what? Oh, okay. well, okay. Again, you know, like you're saying, oh, well, you've got the money. Yeah. You've got the power. So I guess I'll just kind of go yeah. along with this. Like like you didn't realize it that this was ever a possibility.
5: That in the book, is a college graduate and highly intelligent while being dumb as an oaky that's just come out of the swamp.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, again, like I try not to get to, uh, you know, like I said, you know, there are lots of things that I have absolutely no interest in or no real knowledge of, but except for the fact that I always have my feelers out there just as a pop culture junkie, you know, there are things. So it's perfectly reasonable that maybe I could have known that something like a relationship like this existed, but would have never, you know, explored it further, I guess, maybe, uh, you know, I I know not everyone is, is interested or, uh, you know, Digs as deep into into things as as some of us do, you know uh clearly, but it it's just so odd to me to 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 create a character like that. Oh, I've never heard of such a thing, oh, you want to spank me? Well, that seems odd, like really, you've graduated college, and no dude that you had sex with ever wanted to spank you. Mm, highly unlikely, dubious. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I, I do agree. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of what goes wrong with with these things is is that whole, uh, you know, the degradation of of the woman. Uh, you know, she's powerless. She's just wrapped up in this. Oh yeah, you're you're totally. You know, whatever you say goes. You've got the money. You've got the power. I just need a man. Let's do this. Like that, and that is ridiculous. You know, uh, it is a ridiculous conceit that a lot of movies go for. You don't see the other side of it. Whenever there's a movie where a woman is in control, you don't see the man being like, oh, well, yes, then you have all the money, you have all the power, let me do whatever you want. They always frame those more like the man, even in his submissive role, has more power.
5: Yeah, there is a movie like that, but we'll get into that a little bit later because I consider it the Yang to uh, Fifty Shades Ying, the the other side of it
6: now I know the movie you're talking about. I just want to make a point here. Uh as I was researching this, I came across basically three different types of films that use S and M as as their base. Okay. One is a film that's basically about uh the uh disempowerment of women. Okay. The second is the freedom of women by using this and there are very few of those and and, and uh, of course I'm I'm uh suggesting the film that you just mentioned. Uh the third thing is the use of power itself to subjugate. And and you get that in a different sense, maybe not just a sexual sense, but you know the Nazis and things like that and you get into that too which I know we'll be talking about. But those are the three basic uh um genres or you know ways of looking at this and and they're and by far 90 percent of them or at least 80 percent of them are about the subjugation of women and 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 uh the disempowerment of them and i find that absolutely rancid that's me
5: Well, there's a okay. documentary I'm going to be talking about later that really gets in two weird areas of S&M, which we'll talk about.
6: Okay. So lead us. Where are we going now, Stephen?
5: Well, now I'm going to play another song, and when we get back, we're going to go into the pre-film hip history of S&M. Okay. And the song? here we go with our first with our first song of the night, Finn Lizzie's S and M. Hope you like it. when he put out Philosophy of the Boudoir and all of his writing. Are you guys there? Oh, yeah, we're here.
0: Yep. Just yeah, here. I was like, what you when he,
5: decided, uh, he did his books, Justine, uh, Silo, The 120 Days of Sodom, The Philosophy of the Boudoir. And the other philosophy comes from Leopold von Moss. Who didn't write many S&M books, but the one he wrote, which was Venus in Furs, really made an impact. And I you had two competing philosophies. One with these sides that believes in giving pain is the most, is the greatest thing in the world and the beauty of blood. And Mosque, whose thing was having nude women in big, long fur coats uh, beat him and degrade him and treat him like trash.
6: Ooh,
5: sounds like a fun and from guy there, that's
1: where we get sadism and masochism and uh you know I was thinking about this earlier as I was doing some research for this show i was uh, uh you know solo actually popped up in my mind um uh, both both the novel and the movie as uh something that's kind of uh, you know pushing against exactly what we're talking about with. Uh, with Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, uh, Stephen, you and I have talked about this many times. How every time I'm online and I see someone's ten most disturbing movies of all time, and I've said, you know, just once, I'd like to see one list that doesn't end with Solo. You know, I mean, you know, not that it's not a disturbing movie, but just, you know, it's it it recurs again and again and again. But uh, the 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 major the major argument I always hear about Solo is that. Well, it, it's not erotic in any way, shape, or form. I disagree with that. It's not something that I uh, find erotic, but there's an eroticism to it. It's filmed in a very straightforward uh, style that that does attempt to strip it of its eroticism, but I think that's something, uh, you know, worth discussing uh, while we're doing this. You know, there are levels to this that, you know, what, you know, and, and exactly what... What we're talking about here, you know something that that you find absolutely repellent, you know, like for instance a, a, you know degradation of of women that you find absolutely repellent I mean it's no secret that you can go online and find rape porn, you know that should be disgusting to any respectable human being, but someone masturbates to that you know i mean no, so i I understand so they, exactly that's what you're saying. one of the
5: biggest rules there is. Whatever it is, no matter how disgusting, creepy, or weird, there is someone who gets off on it.
1: Right, right, and and you know, and and solo really, uh, you know, actually solo is is one of the first, uh, you know, like I was saying before, uh, I think before we went on the air, I was mentioning that, you know, uh, you know, as someone who was interested in this kind of stuff when I was younger, you know, you didn't have the internet, you really had to to go and seek things out. And uh, I remember actually finding a copy of Solo at the library in my hometown and taking it home and reading it. And, and just, you know, it was very, very confusing mix of feelings for that very reason where I was like, well, this seems to be, you know, in the vein of something that I should be interested in, but it's so disgusting and disturbing, you know, like, and, 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 and thank goodness, you know, thank goodness that it probably set me on the right path. But still, very intriguing to think about. And
5: most people never mention my favorite line that the Marquis de Sade ever wrote. Which is? Submission without consent and full knowledge and joy is not true submission, thus it's worthless.
6: Good line. Now, I I want to get into Salo a little bit, um, and not not the book so much as the film. Uh, for for those of us, uh, those listeners that don't know it, it's a film that was filmed in 1975 by Pier Paolo Pasolini, uh, who uh, used it as an allegory against the Italian government, and uh, he was saying that the Italian government were like the Nazis, and this is an, uh, in many ways a Nazi exploitation film, Uh but it was very political, and the point is he's using the S&M for a different reason. This is why the the eroticism is all bleached out of the film. And so suddenly you're seeing something so black and white, and and I, I hate to tell you this, but it is my number one most disturbing film. I own it. I don't watch it, and the thing is it is just – uh, uh Pasolini makes it so repellent and 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 I I understand your point that somebody may watch it and find it erotic or that there are erotic you know possibilities in it but to me you know and I would say to the majority of people uh Pasolini did exactly what he wanted to
1: do and let's face it he was killed for and it
5: and got killed for it
1: yeah, I, I don't disagree. I I think it's uh, it's definitely one of his best films. I I, I don't disagree. You know, I, I was just positing, like I said, the the theory because I always, uh, and and I don't dis- I don't disagree that it's one of the most disturbing films of all time. I'm just exhausted seeing it as the number one most disturbing film. You know, like Steven well, and well, I don't have look at
6: my it. list then, okay, because it's number one. <laughs>
5: well, well, you Stephen and I, have I always watched joke. It. You can tell that ninety percent of the people who put Solo as the number one on the most disturbing list haven't watched it.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's true. But you and I always joke about that. Like uh, Stephen and I always joke about if ever there's a list of most disturbing movies, either Salo or a Serbian film is always number one. You know, like in it and and it. I don't disagree with either one of those choices. I just think it's kind of, it's just kind of funny. And and this is so one easy. of those things again you would only discover in the internet age where you can go online and type in 10 most disturbing movies and a thousand lists come up you go through and look at all 1000 of them and solo is is uh, you know everyone's most disturbing movie and not and uh, rightfully so it is a highly disturbing movie but i do agree with your assessment that uh you're right all of the sexuality is you know, the eroticism is bled out of it. It it is it's a it's a brilliant film. Uh you know, it's it's definitely one of Pasolini's best, uh for sure. It's the best and pure one,
5: example one, of what pure uh, unchecked hedonism would really be like.
1: For sure. Perhaps, yeah.
6: You know. Uh the one thing I wanna say is that when I was looking at this list who are doing work, there are certain filmmakers of a certain quality that have used S and M in their films, and, and of course we're talking about Pasolini and Sala. But these bring an intelligence to the idea, and it's not like Fifty Shades of Grey where it's done as soft porn. It, it has a lot more philosophical points. Another one that's used it a, a several times is David Cronenberg. You know, yeah. or you get or you get Belle de Jour by Louis Bongel. Uh, uh, and you get Last Tango in Paris by Bertolucci. Uh, you know all of these films. Take a look at this and 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 analyze it. And there's an an analytical part of it that that makes you think. It's not just about the eroticism. It's about something completely different. And that's something I want to bring out here. Well, uh,
5: are and we you uh, talk about? other two, the ones that really are the most two-filmed S&M erotic stories there is, which is the story of O, which I think there's about five or six versions out.
6: Including the TV and series, Venus which goes away <laughs> But Venus and Furs. the thing is,
5: the version of Venus and Furs that I like the most is Franco's version, which has nothing to do with the book. I agree. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, it's it's the best version, and and you're right. Yeah, uh, he appropriated the name, but didn't really uh, maintain much uh, from the book. But
5: except for the whole Venus and furs image, which is the one that leads man to their doom.
1: Right. Uh, another one though that I wanted to mention while we were talking about uh, a solo and and some of those other ones, uh, Closetland. Are, are you are you guys familiar with that film? No,
6: no, I don't know this one, so you'll have to tell me about it. Uh, Closetland Closet is basically an
5: anti- basically Alan Rickman and Madeline Stowe in a room acting their ass off for ninety minutes.
1: And, and it, it, it it frames itself as a political uh, you know interrogation, but they're is a definite undercurrent of eroticism to all of it. That it really, do you agree, Steven, having seen it? I mean, you know, like some of the stuff, like, you know, where he, he's got her tied up and he, and he chews up the onion and spits it in her mouth. And, you know, there, there there are elements to it that play into what we're talking about here. There's definitely, and there's definitely a sexual attraction between the two of them. That's, that's, uh, you know, underpinned, but it's, that movie is—it's very interesting. It's a very interesting film, and I, and and I think we can talk about
5: another one that, like Closet Land S and M without being S and M, and it's Joseph Losey's The Servant.
6: Absolutely, God, I love that movie. And that is real. the
5: most gay S and M film without having any gayness in it.
6: Absolutely, of course. You know, it was done in sixty three so the gay content couldn't really put be put into it. But here we're talking about a movie that that's about subjugation and transference of roles. And there are several movies about transference of roles. Um uh um the uh Sissy Spacek uh Robert Altman film, uh Three Women is one. And and three
5: women, uh, uh, Bergman's persona.
6: Right? persona absolutely was the other one I was thinking of. And and, and a
5: little film this, which nobody who likes cult films has rarely heard of. Something uh what is it? It's got James Fox in it and uh, some guy from the Rolling Stones. Performance.
6: Yeah. <laughs> you're you're being silly. Um performance is another one. Now and that easily, one the
5: me performance is not subtle at all.
6: No, not at all. And and in fact, James Fox, who started the movie, uh, stopped acting for, what, about 10 or 15 years because he was so disturbed by the film and by the experience of filming it. Uh, it's, it's a real, real crazy one. There's one I want to mention that isn't well known, and I'm wondering if either of you know it. It's called Adam Resurrected.
7: No, Never okay. heard of
1: it.
6: Okay, nope. it's, Paul Schrader, it's Paul Schrader wrote it and directed it. Stars, well, I'm, um, already in, I'm already on board then. It, it stars uh, Jeff Goldblum and it's based on a novel by an Israeli uh, author and he was a Jewish clown during the Nazi era and he is taken into uh, 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 the death camps and made made to be uh, the dog of the commandant and live like a dog and the commandant is played by William Willem Dafoe. And it's set in flashback when when he is in an Israeli mental hospital on sixty one trying to be cured. And it is a fantastic film. And and so the S and M in it and the subjugation doesn't have any sexual content. It becomes a a sense of Power against non power. And that that to me is always the the main focus of S and M. You know, at least as as it's filmed. And and it's a great film and I would recommend it highly to anyone. And if you're not and it has humor in it too. I mean, it has humor in it, it's really good. Would recommend it highly.
1: I'm and a now, big fan of traitors, so okay, I'm going to check the it out. Okay, part
5: where we're going to sound like three perverted men, but boy, the subject we're going to get to is that. Well, one for me, S&M is one, of the se- is one of the sexier things because you don't have to be naked to look good in it, which brings us to the part where we will going to make us perverted. I'll just say this man's name, then we're all going to get all drooly here. Irving Claw. <laughs>
6: I don't know if I'll say I, I I don't get Gooey with his name. However, I'll get Gooey with the next name. His work. Oculus.
0: Yeah, his work.
6: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. No.
5: And yeah. Everyone, And his most famous work was uh, a very large series of bondage picks done with Betty Page. Now, oh, yeah.
6: When we talk Betty Page, I've got to go into this. Um, A friend of mine ran the the drive-in, and I was 14 years old, and uh, and I started working there. And he had his own little theater and and film uh, uh, repository, and that's where I first saw the shorts. I was like 14 or 15. It blew me away. I could not believe it. Now, that being said, okay, so So the sexuality of it certainly had a lot to do, you know, a lot of impact on me. But the one thing about Petty Page, and there's been a couple of films made too, uh, bios of her, Uh, but she was a person who was empowered by what she did. And she enjoyed it, and you could tell she did. This wasn't someone, this was someone who made a decision to do this, Knowing full well what she was doing, and, and and there's there's actually a sense of joy if you look at some of these and look at her expressions, the way she purports herself, and and of course this was done during the pinup era, and and so this was just a natural extension of Betty Grable to to certain men certainly, uh, and and uh, it, it's I I think the world of her. I really do. And, and, and reading about her and reading some of the things she said, you know, it, it's about empowerment for her. And and I, because of that fact, I absolutely adored the woman and I
1: really liked the films. And, and uh, you know, in recent years, you know, there's been so much uh, made about, you know, tracking her down in the later years where, uh, you know, uh, she had, did, did, dedicated her life to Christianity and and was, you know, living this solitary life. She never disavowed those films. She didn't pull the whole, I'm a Christian now, that was wrong, that was a horrible thing. She was like you know, she, she never disavowed that part of her life. She was still no. always a of right her no the, no. tried to ask her Oh
5: yeah, what about the sex pictures you did? She's like, What? was never any sex in my pictures?
1: Yeah, there was never, never any no. Yeah, yeah, that that's admirable for sure. That that. Oh, that's great. I,
6: absolutely. I mean, you you read about her and, and you read some of the later uh, interviews of her. Not only does she not disavow her past, but she actually has has said it was part of a transition. It was part of a journey, and I found a lot of good about myself because of it. And 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 this positive attitude, whether or not it's, uh, uh, um, you know, a true attitude or she's deluding herself, it doesn't matter. But this is how she has processed it. And I think that's that shows a very healthy side to
1: it. For sure. Yeah,
5: and now yeah. we can go into the person who I consider the yang to Betty Page's yang, and that's Linda Lovelace.
0: Someone <laughs> who
5: is such a submissive that every choice she made in her life was to please whoever her masters was at the moment.
7: You know, yeah. I, I'm not,
6: yeah I'm not I'm not gonna get into the, 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 the Linda Lovelace bashing because of of her later political stance against
5: No, I'm not going into bashing. I'm just saying that the feminists used her just as bad as she as the porn guys did.
6: And you know there's an argument to be said for that okay and i've always I've always said there were two sides to this and 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 I don't you know if what happened to her is exactly as she said it, none of us will really know it was a horrible thing, however, that being said. I, I do think that she was used by the feminist in the feminist agenda, and I think she was a willing participant in that. And, and uh, you know, I have problems sort of like processing all that to see where she is in that. I feel extremely sorry for her, and I feel that she was used, I think, all her life. You know, by whoever I I happen to agree with you on this, Stephen, and I think it is a a pitiful thing, and 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 I think it's a terrible thing.
5: And even though I hated the movie they made about her last year,
0: you know, that I may be the first movie I was
5: screaming bullshit at within five minutes.
6: <laughs> well, you know,
5: I I can't mm-hmm. say any
6: more about it. How about you? Maybe you should to... make your own Linda
1: Lovelace movie if you're so. uh if you're well, so I know excited someone was going to make
5: a better Linda Lovelace movie, but then he hired Lindsay Lohan for it, and she went ape shit, and his whole movie went under.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about Paul Schrader again. But no. What, what was, uh, uh, what was uh, his Lindsay Lohan? What was it that? Uh, I can't remember. The,
5: the, the, hills. Hills. the Yeah.
1: That the was cows.
5: the one where Lindsay is supposed do full final
1: nude and all that but she wouldn't do it. Off topic, but I, I enjoyed the Hills. I thought that was a good movie. I mean it was trashy but it was enjoyable. There's nothing wrong with trashy and enjoyable. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I I will I will never say your movie is horrible if it entertains me for two hours. Uh you know, whether even if it is horrible. I don't care. As long as it entertains me for a couple of hours, that's all I need. Two more hours closer to death. And you and you entertain me? Good deal. There you go. I like that attitude. Hey, you know, we're just now we're we're just plugging plug along.
5: We're going for our second song and after that I'm going to uh talk and I hope you guys have seen it the very first series of overt S and M movies. Two come out, and they come out on 42nd Street in the mid-60s. Hopefully, it's of one against those which series I'm talking about.
6: Uh, I think so, but we'll get to it.
5: We'll get to it after this.
3: We were shoveling sunshine The hard times were the good times At the back of a good times van wedding ring was fresh on your hand, Guess you were a little shy, when you gave me some nipple pie, reached over and you grabbed my wood, don't you know that it felt so good, and with you is where I belong. Well, I spilled my red wine right below your panty line. Finally got.
5: But the series I'm talking about, here's the setup. Back then, 42nd Street, they had a little bit of rougher stuff than they would show in the drive-ins and all that for the grindhouse. But then in the 60s, the very first overt, hardcore S&M film came out, and that was the Olga series. Have ever any of you seen them? Oh, well, what series
1: again? I, I thought- I figured Olgo is what yep. you were talking about. Oh, all I have of them. All, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, I have all of them on the, uh, actually, something weird video put out a DVD which had all of the films in one box set, and uh, I couldn't wait to scoop that up. Yeah. Diane Thorne. And uh, what?
5: But Diane what Thorne,
6: we're talking about the Olga Inga films, right? Uh,
5: No. Diane Thorne, Dwayne Thorne wasn't in the Olga films.
1: Okay, was, and then we're talking was
5: about
6: a different the series. Okay. No, I've not seen the,
1: the Olga films then. Sorry. Diane yeah. Thorne was in the Ilsa films, right? Ilsa. Ilsa.
5: But the thing about the Olga films was really, drove everyone crazy back then is there was no sex in it. No. It was 200% sadism and domination. The setup of all three is that Olga's running a white slavery ring and she has to break a few eggs to make sure everything runs smooth.
1: And and they are they do encapsulate that perfect uh you know that raincoat crowd kind of uh you know just enough plot, just enough plot to get to the boobs and the spanking. But like you said, it's no a lot text. more
5: than spanking. I mean, it has some stuff <laughs> that most S and M porns in the seventies would not even try.
1: Well, but still, I don't know. I mean, I we'll still talk about it, but I think those movies were just a stepping stone for. Uh, you know, still I agree they were uh they were revolutionary for the time. They were definitely showing things that a lot of other films weren't showing. But they were definitely just the, the stepping stone that opened the door for the Ilsa movies and uh uh Joel Reed we were talking about before, uh you oh, and I were talking about. Oh yeah, we'll favorite. definitely
5: talk about my yeah. Talk about yeah. one yeah. of my favorite yeah. Yeah. Star Wars actors. <laughs>
1: but uh but yeah, no the the Olga movies, uh, the Olga movies definitely uh, showcased some aspects of the S and M uh, that hadn't happened before. But they actually kind of wore themselves out. What was the last one where uh, she was running the gym? You you remember that one? She's running Olga's, like the. Uh, you what, know, what,
5: there was white slaves in Chinatown, Olga's girls, Olga's slaves.
1: There was, there but the was,
5: thing uh, is, is that they put them out really quick. Each of the movies came out in England in four or five months of each other. Bam, bam, bam.
1: Oh, you can see from watching them that they were basically filmed on the same sets. I mean, they just they just moved stuff around. Uh, you know, that was like oh, and a, they went.
5: Campbell was the one who played Olga.
1: They went for like a David Friedman thing with that, or or, or even like a uh, you know Roger Corman. They were like, well, we've got the set, so let's just pound it out, you know. Let's make a trilogy. Well, David
5: Friedman, we got to talk. If you go talk David Friedman, we have got to talk about the Defilers.
1: Oh well, hey, if we're gonna talk about David Friedman, we're gonna have to do a whole uh, show because. Uh, oh, absolutely.
5: You yeah. Need to do uh, a whole show I, Oh, I, I uh, love oh, me from David Friedman. The biggest one I think will be placed on his show, show of Friedman's of the era that we're in, the Olga era, was The Defilers and A Taste of Honey and Swallow of Brine.
1: Yep.
6: Uh, it's I, been ages I even... since I've seen The Defilers, so it, it's not really in my memory, but I know I've seen it. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Defilers, Defilers. Was,
5: it was the first one of they what they called the ruffies. Yep. Which were basically older films, except that they had more sex in it than the older films.
1: The, one of my most. The first is, is
5: basically two guys kidnap a girl because they're bored and want kicks, and basically do whatever they want to to her for uh, the rest of the movie.
6: Oh, lovely. Wonderful oh, yeah film.
1: Oh, no uh uh yeah the whole the whole david friedman uh you know s and m category you know films deserve a whole uh, a show of their own i mean that guy yeah. i actually uh I have this ongoing joke where I talk to my friends about a movie i wanna make called uh, Friedman's Follies because you know David Friedman always had this formula where he was like, well. If you make a movie with three scenes in it, one of them is a lesbian scene, one of them is a straight sex scene, and one of them's a S&M bondage scene, you got a great movie. You know, you guys may have heard that before. He repeated it. Yeah, you know. And so I always tell my friends, I'm like, we just need to make a a a movie called *Friedman Follies*. Let's just make this film modern day. You know, whatever. We'll grind house it up like uh, you know your Tarantino, Rodriguez. You know. We'll make it look like it. we just discovered it. Oh, Friedman Follies. Here's this old movie from, uh, I'm pretty sure this is a, a David Friedman original. Uh, look at this. It's got a lesbian scene. It's got a bondage scene. It's got a straight sex scene. It must be a David Friedman movie. <laughs> One of those girls is dressed as a nurse. Oh, you know, Friedman has something to do with it. <laughs> hey, have, have you Guys, I know you
5: probably have, Nate, but Carl, oh, have you seen a taste of honey and swallow of brine?
6: No, I've never have. You're you're getting into territory I don't know, so
1: forgive me. No, no. no I, yeah, it's
5: a I, have, a co- I mean, have a very nasty little movie.
1: I have a copy it's of it. I have a copy of it. Yeah, I have I have a copy of it. It it yeah, it's it's dirty. It's it's disgusting. It's grimy.
5: I mean, it's not perverted. It's just basically the whole story is about this girl who. Uh prick teases guys, and to the point where they go crazy about it, then she gets them arrested and sent to jail, <laughs>
1: oh lovely oh, David Friedman, will you and ever learn
5: Tony at the end of the movie?
6: she what yeah, we remember that, that was day. the guy's
5: name she met at the end, Tony you listen here, you do what Tony says. 'Cause if you don't do what Tony says, I'm gonna knock you in the mouth again. Better do what Tony <laughs> says. And then it shows right. you getting picked up by David Friedman.
1: Yeah. 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 But that uh, you know, that goes that goes along with uh talking about Joel Reed and blood sucking freaks. Um have have either one of you ever seen the other uh one of Joel Reed's earlier films, uh Sex by Advertisement?
6: Oh, no. I've heard of
1: it. That's all I know. Sex by advertisement. That that was uh it was available on something weird VHS. I don't think it ever made the transition to D V D. But uh it was an earlier Joel Reed film before he ever did Bloodsucking Freaks, but it uh it it posits itself as one of those um you know uh, public service announcements. They've got a, a woman in a white coat sitting behind a desk warning My you about daughter. the dangers that, you know, the perverts that are out there nowadays. And it, they kind of present it as a Mondo film where she talks you through these various scenes with different perverts and the things that they do. But uh, the the ending of it is all uh, very much a setup for blood-sucking freaks. It's, it's about, you know, the sadists who meet at these underground clubs and beat each other with leather belts and wear masks. And, you know, it's, uh, it's not a good film by any stretch of the imagination, but again, it it falls into my, uh, an hour and a half of my life that I don't regret uh, losing for watching it.
6: (laughs) Boy, you need to make a list of those movies that 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 you, uh, hour and a half and you don't regret because I'll be sure to not watch most of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. But the I scary did, thing about what... A Taste of Honey and A Swallow of Brian is by the time the girl gets to come up and you really don't feel sorry for
0: her. I mean, it's yeah, horrible well... what happens
5: to her, but.
1: And that's the interesting thing about that, that you bring up that movie or actually this is a, a topic we could probably talk about with some of these films, like like I'm talking about, sex by advertisement. Nobody loses in that movie, you know. Um that was kind of a thing where we're talking about with the ruffies and, and you know, the video nasties, that kind of stuff. Uh you know, I think that might have been part of what brought about the uh you know the shift in public opinion is that we went from movies where uh, despicable people got their comeuppance to a point where despicable people just lived happily ever after, which, you know, I, I, I fully agree with. I hope despicable people live happily ever after because I'm a despicable person. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, that, that's part of what we're talking about here with uh, this type of cinema. Oh, style. Absolutely.
6: I mean, I I could bring up a, a couple films. My my list is a, a oh, yeah. little more mainstream, but it's it's one of those things where you you take a look at at certain films, and particularly now that we're talking about females in 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 uh, in the lead, I have to mention the piano teacher. Do either of you know that film?
0: Oh, I yeah. am not.
6: I'm not familiar with it. Okay, it's Michael Haneke. Who is a German, yeah.
4: I'm, German I'm filmmaker who really
6: did the White Ribbon and and, yeah. and and uh that and it's um and it's definitely an S and M film about a piano teacher who uh gets into uh two relationships, uh one with a female student and one with a male student. And and uh she does not get her come, comeuppance. and and he's making a point again using S and – as 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 power. And this is where a lot of the stuff that yeah, I Yeah, but ironically I was the at, way the movie
5: sets it up, by not getting her punishment, she she really loses. She gets a punishment by not getting her punishment.
6: Right. It's 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 a very, very uh uh unique film. And Haneke of course is very political. And so he's making points about the the the, the German government, he's making points about the German social status and all these type of things which are very, very uh, uh pointed and and ultimately very uh uh pessimistic. And and again he's using the S and M sense of the film not for titillation but for you know making points about society. And I and, and those are the ones that I I I can watch, okay. The ones again that are, you know, like the ones you you you, you said the um, Mondo I wouldn't have a problem with either, but 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 the ones that particularly you know about subjugation of women, uh, uh, like like the defilers I couldn't watch it. If I I know I remember seeing it and not liking it and not watching it when I was at the the, the drive-in. Um, just one of those things. But but for me again, if you use S S and M in this particular uh uh um genre as something else, using the material to make another point, then I'm much more amenable to it.
5: Yeah. And another one two two that I'd like to mention before we play our next song are two Japanese films from the same time, the sixties, and that is Blind Beast, and then The Realm of the Senses.
6: Actually, Realm of the Senses was 70s, but it's okay.
5: (laughs) It came out about 68 in Japan. We didn't get it to 70.
6: Oh, okay. Never mind.
5: (laughs) (laughs) You've seen them both, haven't you, Nate? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Blind uh, Beast,
5: I would definitely call it the most fetishistic body movie ever made.
6: Which one is this again?
5: Blind Beast. Be- Okay. It's so a blind man kidnaps a woman so she can become his ultimate sculpture. And now uh, they fall into a very, very dark S&M relationship.
1: Yeah. Um... That movie actually feels like uh like like uh speak, just just kinda of speaking of uh Japanese films, that movie Blind Beast feels to me like it's almost uh, the direct uh ascendant of uh Tetsuo the Iron Man. It has that same oh, yeah, type they said of said
5: that Blind Beast uh, uh, inspired Tetsuo.
1: Really? I've never, I've, I've honestly never actually read that. That's just something I've always felt. As soon as I saw Tetsuo, I was like, "This is like Blind Beast for the new millennium," you know. Despite the fact that
7: Tetsuo was. I didn't see Blind Beast until after I saw Tetsuo. Go ahead.
6: Well, all I was going to say is I didn't see Blind Beast until I after I uh, saw Tetsuo, and I thought the same thing. And seeing Tetsuo first, and then knowing that that, that the other film was, was previous to that, I could see the yeah. connection right away.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Well, what
5: I like about Blind Beast is the ending really isn't the most shocking moment of the film. The most shocking moment in the film is when they first give you a full glimpse of his studio. Right. Because when they're in there for five minutes before they show it. And it shows they're groping around, and you barely see this, you barely see that. And all of a sudden, the lights come out, and it's like, what the hell?
1: What, right?
6: Oh, absolutely.
5: One hall was, com- was nothing but eyes. One hall was nothing but eyes. Another wall, dozes.
1: You know what I think is interesting, though? We're talking about this because I think uh, – you know where we're on this kick with with blind beast uh I know you want to talk about some of these other things but uh these are kind of some of the stories where the the balance of power shifts and uh yeah. it, you know well, in the realm of the senses uh is one that I think is really interesting in that regard but I know you also wanted to talk about uh the night porter and some and some of those other yeah, things that's,
5: so uh that's a it is.
1: but yeah, all right, so let's listen to some songs, and then we'll uh you know we'll talk about some of that a little bit more.
5: about it but yes uh, when you get into things like Buying Beast, uh, The Night Porter you and uh, some other ones you can really get into the transference of power
1: yeah I'll go ahead
6: the, the interesting thing about The Night Porter and I think it needs to be said is it was directed by a woman Liliana Cabani, or Caviani excuse me uh and that is definitely about the transference of the power from a man to a woman and and it's very very uh it's used as a liberating device by her and i think it's a very very noteworthy film in this in this group because it's the only one i know that we we're talk about that was directed by a woman well, we talked about 50 changes,
5: right? too, it's about a, a couple in a mutually self-destructive relationship and that's how they want it.
1: Well, the reason I initially brought it up uh, while we were still talking about it was because uh, we didn't really touch on it much but in the realm of the senses, uh, kind of starts off as like a power exchange and, uh, you know, I mean obviously whatever, it's a it's a movie from forty years ago, so spoiler alert, but when yeah. she strangles him to death at the end, you know, she she takes the ultimate power, you know. Uh they they've both had fun like you know taking turns being the dominant and the submissive, but in the end she ultimately takes full control when she kills him. You know. Mhm. So, and she doesn't uh,
5: just kill him, either.
0: <laughs>
5: uh, no, no. <laughs> Let, let's uh, just take that what point. What's is in the realm of the census is actually a true story.
6: You're a true story.
1: I I, I didn't know I, that was really a true story.
5: <laughs>
1: yeah. Is it? I think, he think instead of a true
5: priest- the cops arrested her. As she was just wandering around the village for a week. And they found her lover's penis wrapped up in a a napkin thing that she was keeping with her and then she told them the whole story.
6: I'm not sure if that's true or if it's a folk tale. Uh I've heard both on on both ends of the Oh, it's
5: no, true. It's story. true. Uh, Sada A B becomes sort of like a national hero. Whenever she got released from jail, every time that she went to the bar, all the men would like grab their crotches and bow her bow their heads to her.
6: <laughs> wow. Uh, uh I would definitely cover mine,
1: that's for sure. But uh this is this is kind of funny. This, this this is an interesting anecdote, at least I feel I'm willing to present it as such. Uh we're just talking about the night porter in this regard. Um I had never heard of that film. Uh I was in college and my girlfriend at the time, her family lived in a small island off uh, Puerto Rico, a uh, Vegas, probably heard of it, maybe heard of it. Um, uh, one year, she and I went down there to visit her family. Uh, we stayed for about a month. And we we're on this little island where there's really, there's there's nothing. I mean, it's a tiny little island. It's a tropical paradise. There's a couple of restaurants. And there's a video store. Uh, a, and all they had was VHS. This was pre-DVD. They had all these movies out front that were for sale for a dollar a piece. and I grabbed VHS copies of Taxi Driver and Blue Velvet, just random movies that they happened to have. I saw The Night Porter. It piqued my interest. Never heard of it before. I spent a dollar, bought it, We didn't have a VCR where we were staying down there, so I didn't get a chance to watch any of these movies until we got home. Clearly, you know, I had seen Blue Velvet and Taxi Driver before. They were just movies I was buying to add to my collection. But the copy of the Night Porter that I got, because I had happened to buy it in Puerto Rico, was only in Spanish. And, you know, I speak Spanish to some degree, but the the true power of that movie, I can tell you this much, having watched it in Spanish for the first time with no subtitles or anything, I still got it. I still understood the movie completely. And that, you know, that kind of I think that showcases what we're talking about here where, you know, like I saw that I witnessed that whole balance of power shift through a movie that I couldn't fully understand linguistically you know and yeah. so i think that i think that speaks to the power of of how well that film is made and i think that goes along with uh you know what we've been talking about that that kind of there's there's a subtext to it that doesn't require you to understand all of the politics all of the the sexuality but you you can still get it It's a, it's an amazing film in that regard
5: that's one I'm surprised is on more most disturbing lists.
6: Okay, well before you get there, I just want to put a shout out to Dirk Bogart. Dirk Bogart starred not only in in uh, the Night Porter, but also you mentioned the Servant. He's also in a lot of films that are uh, uh, real, you know, uh, pushers uh, of their era, uh, such as Victim uh and, and various films and, and he's a very brave actor and I've always thought that he did not get his his due, particularly here in the States. He was British. Uh but but fantastic actor and, and just does a fantastic job in both films we've mentioned. There you go. Now go on Steven. Just had to do a okay. shout out.
5: What I was saying is I'm surprised the night porter is not on more most disturbing list than it is.
6: That's a good. That's a good point because it is not an easy film to watch.
5: Most what most people see of it is a very, and I do agree, sexy picture of uh, Charlotte Rampling, who
6: I adore, mind you,
5: <laughs> with just a uh, Nazi hat on and uh, suspenders covering your chest.
1: Uh, don't don't forget the uh, elbow length uh, leather gloves. Not that I noticed or anything.
5: Yeah, I mean that's the image most of us know it by. But I can just imagine somebody looking at that going, "Oh God, yeah, Nancy fetish. I gotta rent this. Oh my God, what,
6: what the hell, hell is this? <laughs> oh, what did that's I get myself into?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But uh, you know uh if we're if we're going to uh talk about it like some other uh movies that i think uh have a really good uh power exchange like that have have you guys ever are you guys familiar with the uh film Sasayaki? uh it's, it's a it's a japanese film um uh, and it's about this guy uh you know it's it's, a, it's like a a japanese couple Uh, and he goes to this girl who he's kind of obsessed with. Uh, I can't remember if they're supposed to be in high school or college. I haven't seen it for a while, but, you know, he goes to her and he tells her that he wants to to submit to her. He wants her to be a dominatrix, you know, he wants her. And uh, at first she's kind of turned off by it, and, uh, you know, she kind of indulges him a little bit here and there, but doesn't play into it fully. But then she really starts to kind of get off on on the power that she has over him and takes it in a direction that he doesn't want. You know, he, he wants it to be that kind of sexual tie me up, spank me, let me lick your boots kind of thing. But she takes it into this whole different, really deep, disturbing, uh, psychological Area where she ends up having sex with his best friend, and really just manipulates him to the point where he's just a broken man. And it's really interesting. It was that something sounds a, like
5: the most faithful adaptation of Venus of Fur that I've ever heard of.
1: It is. It, it's it is. It's very similar to that, and it's it, it's a great
5: uh, It's basically the same story.
1: Yeah, well, and like I said, you know, it's it's, it's a Japanese film, it, it's not it I can't remember, it's from the I want to say late 90s, early uh early millennium. Um, you know, it is uh it's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting film. Uh if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's called uh Sasayaki. Uh the director's name is Akiko Shioda. I think that's how you pronounce the name, but uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a great movie for exactly what we're talking about. Like it, it's not it's not your whips and chains, leather and rubber like S and M nonsense. It's a straight up like you know, it, it's a straight up like power exchange that goes wrong.
5: Yeah, pure this masochism.
1: Guy, yeah, pure masochism. This is and this guy ends up more miserable than he ever dreamed he would be, you know? Uh, Locked in a closet, watching the woman that he loves have sex with his best friend. Uh, Kind of, you know, level of disturbing. Um, But yeah, it goes along with exactly what we're talking about, like the night porter type of thing, where you've got that power exchange, where she was in control when they were at the concentration camp. Now she's you know, yeah. So it just goes along with that. I, I I just thought I'd mention it while we were talking about that kind of power exchange thing because it it is a it's a great movie, definitely worth okay. watching. Okay, to go
6: on. And you had a second one. one that you were going to mention too.
0: Okay. Didn't
6: you? What? No, I I, I was talking to our guest. Uh, I thought there were two movies you were going to mention.
0: Well, let's see.
6: Maybe I can come up with another one. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> if you don't, I have one. <laughs>
0: Uh okay. and I, okay. I think and that, that one would
6: be uh, Barbette Schroeder's Matrix.
0: I was that was the other one I was gonna
6: say.
1: That is exactly the other one I was gonna say. I'm not even joking. That is exactly <laughs> the that is exactly the other one I was gonna say. Uh yeah, just uh exactly that same type of theme, you know. And it, that's exactly the same type of theme. Oh, and it and it's such a good movie. And you know, it's so strange to me because uh, Barb uh, A. Schroeder came to my attention because of Barfly, because I'm a huge Bukowski fan. I fell in love with that movie, and then I started going back through and looking for his other movies, and then I stumbled upon Matrice, and I was like, this movie is crazy, amazing. <laughs> like it, it, it is. I've got
5: another it, one to add to it that's a brother to those two that you mentioned. A sister.
1: One yells at obscure object of desire. Oh, oh absolutely! Yes. Obscure object of desire. We uh, we actually spoke about that the last time I was on your show when we were talking about uh, some of those surrealist films, and I oh, actually brilliant. had another I had another thing to go along with that too. Just from that launching off from that, since we're there, uh, Diary of a Chambermaid. Has that weird whole thing about the guy who's just like has the shoe fetish or something? Right. Yeah. It's a shoe fetish. Yeah. And I think um, maybe that's something to talk about in a separate segment here uh, while we're talking about stuff. But just little little things, you know, little little ways that uh, that uh, directors have worked this kind of stuff into their movies. I mean, you know, Pulp Fiction, The Gimp. Like you know, you know that 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 movie's not a full-on S and M extravaganza, but there's clearly something at play there in that gimp scene. I mean, if I'm not misreading that, uh, Uh, no, (laughs) no, you're not not
6: misreading that. No,
1: no, there seems to be something going on there.
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, one I would like to
5: uh, mention. Well, we could we talk talk about next is I'll tell a little bit of its history. Uh, Joe Reed in the early 70s, went to a downtown uh, art house play to watch a play. It was a company that did uh, S&M Ballet. And he loved and, it so much that he wanted to tie it into a movie. hmm And that's how we got Sargu's House of the Screaming Virgins.
6: Okay, you lost oh, wait, me. I don't know this one at all. To-
1: the Incredible the Torture yeah. Show. Okay. Blood sucking. But Creek. then oh, got God it, God it God. and God. then oh, put. Course.
5: Yeah. And trauma got it and put out a poster and really just didn't say what the movie was about, but they made millions off of it.
6: Yeah, not one of my favorites, guys. Not one at all. Do not like that film at all. For me.
5: It was very dark and disturbing. To one day time, I was watching it while reading a magazine, and I had not, and I was just listening to the dialogue, and I was like, "What? This is actually hilarious."
0: Yeah, well,
5: and the more know, I learned about Broadway and theater culture back then, that this was a spot-on parody of the whole New York theatrical scene.
0: I think it's I
5: mean how many how many m guys would get jokes like oh yes after the performance we're having a big party at Sardi's?
0: <laughs>
6: right I was no. in the theater or uh, at that
5: time in New York and going. I thought you left all that billing crap when you left the William Morris agency <laughs>
1: uh, uh, the uh the the thing I think, uh, talking about blood-sucking freaks, or whatever name you want, I, I, I agree. I agree that it's the Incredible Torture Show. I know blood-sucking freaks is the name that Troma dropped on it, but, uh, but, you know, I think this is something else that we should kind of talk about. It, uh, I wanted to bring this up because this goes along with what, uh, well, you know, uh, you you were saying earlier, um, you consider there to be a few different types of S&M uh, of films. Yeah.
7: Um,
1: uh, I consider there, and I kind of brought this up when I mentioned Solo, I consider that there is this other realm of S&M films that, again, no normal, sane human being would ever find erotic, but some, you know, again, somebody jerks off to it. There's some freak who, who thinks that uh blood sucking freaks is actually an erotic film, but I have a, kind of a funny story about that. Uh, I dated this girl when, uh, uh right after I graduated from college, I was dating this girl and, uh, she was house sitting for her parents one weekend, so she's like, "Oh come over, come over to my uh my parents' house, bring some movies you know we'll we'll get some beer, yada yada you know so uh so I just remember distinctly going over to her house middle of the afternoon, you know whatever I was twenty five years old, drinking some beers, smoking some dope, and uh I throw on blood sucking freaks, we lay down on the couch. Now, there is no association in my mind between these two things. I was just like, here's a movie that I brought over. I throw this movie on. We lay down on the couch. We're drinking. We're smoking dope. We're just acting, you know, we're young, dumb, in love, whatever. And uh, while we're watching Bloodsucking Freaks, I'm just kind of feeling her up a little bit, snuggling with her, No, no intention of taking it any further or anything. About 20 minutes into Bloodsucking Freak, she's just like, I need to ask you a question. Is this movie turning you on because you're freaking me out right now? (laughs) 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 And I was just like, what? No, I was just watching a movie. I don't know. And she's like, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Needless to say, that relationship didn't go much further than that. So there you go.
5: Well so my blood sucking freaks. It was like one of the times I was up my cousin Ansons and I would always try to bring one movie to fuck up, up. 'Cause mm-hmm. it was like little white country boys. It's like, Why don't we bring them to really blow their minds? I'm like, Oh yeah, blood sucking freaks. Thirty seconds <laughs> in, Anson's friend Paul for no reason said this out of the blue. We're going to hell for watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, God. Yeah. I, I still wonder sometimes, uh, you know, I wonder, that girl probably still tells her friends nowadays, I dated this guy in college. <laughs> he tried to sex me probably. up this movie. <laughs> I dated this guy in college who tried to sex me up in this movie where a girl gets her hands cut off and another girl gets her eyes gouged out. He's probably a serial killer now. <laughs> I need to change my Facebook profile so it says, uh, you know, a career, not a serial killer, or you know, whatever. <laughs> and so, the so, thing about Bloodsucking so,
5: Creek is, it's some of its lines just are so quotable.
1: It 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 does it plays like a very very dark comedy uh, if you if you can see it through that lens which I did Yeah. Oh, no. It, it, well, how it can you is... not laugh at
5: lines like, "Ralphus, break his leg to take foods, master?
6: <laughs> I know, but it's so poorly done. It's not a good movie, guys. It, you know, well, I, I have never it, understood. But... I have never understood why people look at that film and giving it cult status. It is a piece of shit. To, to borrow uh, uh, Bill Hicks. It's a piece of shit. It's a craft <laughs> fest. And it's not even an enjoyable craft fest. And God knows I love my blood freak. Okay? I, there, There's a difference. But that is a despicable, horrible movie. There. I, I can say it.
5: it easily. Two reasons. Seamus uh, O'Brien and Louis de Jesus.
1: If
6: they wasn't in the movie, it would be an unwatchable piece of crap. But just watching well, them
1: they in are in the movie, only. and it's an unwatchable piece of crap. Well, what about? All right, so just for argument's sake, like, uh, what do you think about a movie like uh, Blood Feast? Okay, now Blood Feast, it's
6: a little, it, it, it's a little different in in that it was the first real gore film. Now I happen to love. Uh, uh I, I I I love his films. and Now it escapes yeah. me. Herschel Gordon Lewis.
0: Herschel from um, Lewis. Yeah. yeah,
6: but but he had, There was something about what he did that was knowing comedy and 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 just really really out there strange stuff that he did within the context of these films. You you take a look at the Gore films of the '60s, and and. That's what they were selling. They weren't selling sex. They were just selling the effects and the gore and the blood and the grossness. And that, to me, is a, a little more innocent, perhaps.
5: Yeah, so than, and, I'm I'm not, Hers- not, and, and i and not, Gore are, films are really innocent films.
1: You know, they're I'm not, innocent.
5: I'm None not of the violence is sexualized.
1: I'm not arguing in any way, shape, or form that bloodsucking freaks is better than any uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. I'm just uh, arguing the fact that maybe don't you think that was just an extension of that? I mean, oh no, no, no! On, I would agree it's, with it's, that. I would, no, 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 it absolutely, it's an extension. It's I a mean, really poor so. extension. Oh, and yeah, and I mean, yeah, I'll take any Herschel Gordon Lewis. I'll, I'll take any H.G. Lewis movie over uh, Bloodsucking Freaks any day of the week. I'm not arguing that by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying, you know, y- you seem to be so completely turned off to it. I'm just saying, but, yeah, I, I hear your argument. I'm just saying it- it's an extension. You know, he he was working. Uh, y- you can't deny that he must have been inspired by those films. Oh, like, absolutely. I
6: don't disagree with that.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that bloodsucking freaks was total. And like I mentioned before, like those earlier, uh, um, Joel Reed films, like, uh, sex by advertisement. And, um, oh, I have some other movies by him, uh, on the something weird video label that are equally just kind of like black and white. And they're more sexual, uh, in nature definitely celebrating like the S and M lifestyle. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think Bloodsucking Freaks was his attempt to emulate uh Herschel Gordon Lewis. Oh, and I to don't try disagree to... with that at all.
6: Yeah. Absolutely. No. Yeah, and
1: Warwick. I and, and I,
5: well, you no know, really you know, you know, like I... listen to uh Sardu's speech at the first of the movie. If you really don't listen to that, you won't if you listen to that you'll get it. He said putting pure sadism on the film, people would be horrified and disgusted and wouldn't watch it. But add a minimal plot, a little bit of blood, and people will think it's art.
1: Well, I don't know if it's art, but it exists. And it's, it's not friggin' art, okay? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, but
5: you it's know not. what? It's not. Mean. There you go. We're go there.
0: All
1: right, well, if, if, we're, if we're digging into it then, if we're getting right in there, uh, so what about these Ulta movies? Oh I mean, boy.
0: I have a
6: that I am uh, so a, d- divided about those films.
1: That takes they, it to the next level.
6: Yeah, absolutely it does. And I think and I, I I think actually in a lot of I think they're better films. I think they're 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 more uh um competent films than Blood Sucking Freaks.
7: Yeah, uh,
2: cool.
6: Yeah. Absolutely, Freeman produced, and, and 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 the other thing is, we're getting into Nazi exploitation, which is a different. I think it's really different. Genre. Yeah, you know,
5: but in all of the, yeah, but we get most ninety-nine percent of the Nazi exploitation films took their keys off of the Night Porter and Elsa.
6: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 may I just say, a part of. The, the thing that I have about the Ulta films that absolutely divide me is Dylan Thorne. Uh, uh, she is just a goddess and, and, and it's scary what I, I, you know, I'm really divided about those films uh, because I find them repellent and yet uh, somewhat satisfied.
1: <laughs> I'm a very sick man <laughs> One one thing about uh, like the original, you know, Ilsa she wolf of the SS. One thing about that film that always sticks in my mind is, despite all of the repellent things that she does in that movie, in the scene where they have the banquet and the Nazi uh, commandant wants her to pee on him, and she's just disgusted by it. Like there's something about that that. That speaks volumes to to whatever they were trying to actually do to make that film meaningful. Certainly not in any of the ways that that, that we were talking about earlier with uh, S and M films that have a political subtext. But there's something about that one scene in that movie that always draws my attention. It it, it mortifies me and fascinates me at the same time. This woman who's pulling people's eyeballs out and slicing dicks off is disgusted that someone wants to be peed on.
5: Isn't it ironic that a sleazy film like Ilsa has more soul to it than the TV shows on whose sets they filmed it on?
1: Be Bad Mouth and Hogan's Heroes.
5: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: I'm surprised Bob
0: Crane
6: wasn't in the list. In the cast. I mean,
0: really.
5: It used to be the yeah. videotaping stuff at that time.
1: For all you know, some of, some of Ilta was uh, Bob Crane's home movies. You don't know. You don't know what
6: he was filming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if people don't realize, there's a film that Paul Schrader did called Autofocus, which is about the life of Bob Crane. And Bob Crane was... Uh, Let's just say he was a twisted man.
1: Let's yeah, leave it. I, I, like I said before, big fall trader fans love that movie. That was a great movie, and and Greg Kinnear's best role, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, so so good.
0: So
5: yeah, my brain was a weird case because he was not only uh, a sex addict, he was a video addict.
0: Yeah. Because I think, if you watch the
5: think, movie, he gets off uh, equally on the fact that he films it.
1: Right, exactly.
5: And then what he does,
1: but it's it's not just about filming it; it's about acquiring that the newest video technology. Like I I yeah. can I I I can relate to that completely. I have an addictive personality for sure. You know, I love beer as much as I love the There's internet. There's only one I love, line in
5: the movie that's no. unintentionally hilarious unless you are a videophile. When, what's, that? Uh, what's, what's that? his name, the Foles character goes over and uh, Crane goes, Look, this is a new videotape that hit the market. You can record two hours on it.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs>
7: yeah. yeah.
1: No, I, I relate to that, though. Like I said, you know, I mean, I have an addictive personality, and I, like I said, I love beer as much as I love the Internet. I love video games as much as I love collecting VHS tapes. You know, it's it's not one or the other. It's just, you know, you focus on one thing for a while, and that's what you want to do, and then you skip off, but it, it doesn't matter. You're always focused on something, you know? Mm-hmm. It's always okay,
5: now, just set up the last part of our show, which we 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 probably won't be going overtime because it's nineteen minutes, is this clip from the movie I want to talk about next, which is uh sick, the story of Bob Flanagan's super masochist.
4: and oh, here oh yeah, yep. why? because it feels good because it gives me an erection because it makes me come because I'm sick because there was so much sickness. Because I say fuck the sickness, because I like the attention, because I was alone a lot, because I was different, because kids beat me up on the way to school, because I was humiliated <coughs> by nuns, because of Christ and the crucifixion, because of porky pagan bondage force-fed by some sinister creep in a black cape, because of stories about children hung by their wrists, burned on the stove, scalded in tubs, because of mutiny on the bounty, because of cowboys and Indians, because of Houdini, <coughs> because of my cousin Cliff, because of the forts we built and the things we did inside them because of what's inside me, because of my genes, because of my parents, because of doctors and nurses, because they tied me to the crib so I wouldn't hurt myself, because I had time to think, because I had time to hold my penis, because I had awful stomach aches, and holding my penis made it feel better, because I felt like I was going to die, because it makes me feel invincible, because it makes me feel triumphant, (coughs) because I'm a Catholic, because I still love Lent, and I still love my penis, and in spite of it all, I have no guilt, because my parents said, be what you want to be, and this is what I want to be, ...because I'm nothing but a big baby and I want to stay that way... ...and I want a mommy forever, even a mean one, especially a mean one... ...because of all the fairy tale witches and the wicked stepmother and the stepsisters... ...and how sexy Cinderella was, smudged with soot, doomed to a life of servitude... ...because of Hansel, locked in the witch's cage until he was fat enough to eat... ...because of, oh, and how desperately I wanted to be her... ...because of my dreams, because of the games we played... ...because I've got an active imagination, because my mother bought me Tinker Toys... Because hardware stores give me hard ons, because of hammers, nails, clothespins, wood, padlocks, pulleys, eyeballs, thumbtacks, staple guns, sewing needles, wooden spoons, fishing tackle, chains, metal rulers, rubber tubing, spatulas, rope, twine, C clamps, S hooks, razor blades, scissors, tweezers, knives, push pins, 2 by 4s <coughs> ping pong paddles, alligator clips, duct tape, broomsticks, barbecue skewers, bungee cords, saw horses, soldering irons. Because of tool sheds, because of garages, because of basements, because of dungeons, because of the pit and the pendulum, because of the Tower of London, because of the Inquisition, because of the rack, because of the cross, because of the Adams family playroom, because of Motitia Adams and her black dress with its octopus legs, because of motherhood, because of Amazons, because of the goddess, because of the moon, because it's in my nature, because it's against nature, because it's nasty, because it's fun, because it flies in the face of all that's normal, whatever that is, because I'm not normal. Because I used to think that I was part of some vast experiment and that there was this implant in my penis that made me do these things and allowed them, wherever they were, to monitor my activities. Because I had to take my clothes off and lie inside this giant plastic bag so the doctors could collect my sweat. Because once upon a time I had such a high fever, my parents had to strip me naked and wrap me in wet sheets to stop the convulsions. Because my parents loved me even more when I was suffering. Because I was born into a world of suffering. Because surrender is sweet because I'm attracted to it, because I'm addicted to it, because endorphins in the brain are like a natural kind of heroin, because I learned to take my medicine, because I was a big boy for taking it, because I can take it like a man, because, as somebody once said, he's got more balls than I do, because it is an act of courage, because it does take guts, because they're proud of it, because I can't climb mountains, because I'm terrible at sports, because no pain, no gain, because spare the rod and spoil the child, because you always hurt the one you love.
5: Bob Flanagan was a, was born with cystic fibrosis and had to deal with it his whole life. Usually people born like him did not live until nine, but he lived until his late 30s. And he grew up an angry man because of how much he could not do in life. So he took that and used his dark sense of humor, which you heard in the clip, and... Uh, Became like a super masochist. His point was, if my body's going to betray me the way it is, I'm going to make it pay back double what it's done to me. And close to his death, he made a documentary about his life going going Bob Flanagan, super masochist. And he did two videos, one with uh, nine-inch nails. Uh, what is it? Something is pain...
1: Yeah, what is the Nine Inch Nail video that he's in? Um, uh,
5: comfort or something. But it, and and the most infamous one was the one that he did for Danzig.
1: I've never seen the one the that he one did with
5: Danzig. Yeah, he it has the clip of him nailing his dick to a board.
1: No, I never saw the one he did with Danzig. I only saw the Nine Inch Nails video.
5: But but they filmed it up to and including his death, uh, the documentary of him, and it's a very dark and very disturbing film. And as someone who was born disabled and whose body has never really worked out right my entire life, I can appreciate his anger.
6: Oh, so can I. So can I. Yeah, I
5: mean, and the movie is on my top disturbing list, so it's not an easy film to watch.
1: Yeah, that's one we were talking about earlier uh about I never see I never really see that movie on anyone's uh you know top 10 most disturbing films of all time, but that movie is an it's an effing snuff film. Like I have friends that I've tried I've I've been like, "Hey, sit down and watch this movie. You know, it it it's worth your time." They get to the that point at the end where he's in the ho- hospital dying and they're filming that and I've had friends get up and leave the room and be like, I can't watch this. I can't watch someone's death on film. I mean, it it literally is. It's a snuff film in some ways. When you get to the ending, it's a snuff film. You see a man die on camera, and it's not easy to stomach.
5: Yeah, I mean, and all the stuff he does himself, I mean, it's pretty extreme. Like I said, there's a part where he nails his dick to a wall. I mean, he does some very, very extreme stuff to his body.
6: Now, I don't know the film; I've never seen it. I don't think I ever will. But in in, in the clips that you read, uh, that that you played, and and what you're saying about it, I certainly can understand the anger. Okay, um, you know, I was born with cerebral palsy, and 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 it's a very slight case, and you wouldn't know it now. But dealing you know when he's talking about how the the kids you know be him and and so on and so forth, I understand that completely, so I understand the anger my 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 opinion on this is does the movie explain why this anger was then transferred into the the pain that he inflicts on us can understand yeah. transference but does the film make it clear?
5: Oh yeah, very.
6: Okay. Yeah, And I can understand yeah. why it would do it. Okay. No, I'm not going to watch it, but yeah. I can
1: understand it. it. It's a great documentary. I mean, he, he, you know, he's he's very he's highly intelligent, and uh, you know, uh, very uh, descriptive. You know, yeah, it, they break it down. But that's that's what I'm saying, why I think it makes it one of the more disturbing movies is I wasn't really aware of Bob Flanagan. Uh, the only thing I had seen of him was um, one of those research – you guys remember the research books? Oh, yeah, I absolutely. I love those, yeah. books, those books. Yeah, I have a bunch of those, and uh, – I had read one article about him in one of those research books. And that was again, you know, back in the days before the internet where, you know, you just kind of found your information where you found it. Um, so I had no real knowledge of him aside from that research article. And, uh, a friend of mine, uh, gave me that documentary. He had made a bootleg of it and was like, check out this movie. And I was like, Oh yeah, Bob planning. And I read a, a, read an interview with this guy. And, uh, yeah, it's a highly informative and very well-done well, uh, well done documentary, but that does not lessen the impact when you spend the last ten minutes literally watching this guy die on camera. It's very heart-wrenching and disturbing. Um, yeah, it's not, not an easy watch.
5: And he did a lot of work for Cerebral Palsy Foundation, and uh, and the movie actually shows where Make-A-Wish Girl... Yeah, meet
1: that meets a really that wish girl. that all were all was. <laughs> yeah, she just wanted to meet him. Yeah, that's that's actually my favorite part of that movie. That little girl is so happy to meet him. I mean, not little girl. She must be like fourteen, fifteen. When, but when she meets him, but she was so excited to meet him, and uh, you know that's cool. He, he did. You know, he he did a lot of good with his life for sure. You know, and again, that's what makes it so hard to watch him die at the end of that movie. It's like he was not you know he he made the most of it for sure, but that's uh that but that brings a reality to what we're talking about, and again, uh you know, if you don't have a frame of reference, uh you know he has that relationship he has a lifelong relationship with a woman who is. Uh, his, uh, you know, his dominatrix. He's the submissive. She's the dominant. And, uh, you know. One of the more interesting
5: things about the movie is they show his dominatrix at first, and when she's torturing and all that, have that kind of loving relationship, she's happy. But towards the end, when he's dying, she is miserable.
1: She's very needy, and that's one of the things about that movie that kind of turns me against her because she seems to be so loving and understanding. but towards the end, when he is dying, and she's like, "I really need to I really need to dominate you right now and he's like, "I really feel like shit can can we just like cuddle and she's like, "No." I really need to spank you right now. I really need to do some shit. No, that's how their thing.
5: love was expressed. She didn't know right? another way to do it.
1: Right? And she kind of, you know, it, it's a, it's horrible. I understand it, but it's horrible, you know. She gets into that mindset where she's like, if we can't do this, then I don't feel loved anymore. And he's like, well, I'm dying, so back off. <laughs>
0: uh
1: it's it's a, it's a rough movie to watch for so many reasons, but it's so good. It is. That is an excellent movie. And that was one I did not even think about mentioning because we were talking about more, uh, you know, just, you know, I, I launched off from Fifty Shades of Grey and was trying to think of more like yeah. actual cinema. I didn't think about documentaries. But, I mean, you know, if we're talking about documentaries, what about, uh, you know, what – uh, Nick Broomfield's uh, fetishes.
0: Yeah.
1: That's another one that kind of goes down that path. Not, I don't, not, don't know that at all. Uh, you guys know uh, Nick Broomfield, though, right? Oh, I know,
6: he, I know who he is. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and he did like Kurt and Courtney and uh, Tupac and Biggie, and I mean, he he's done a bunch of movies, but he did one called Fetishes. Where he just went to this uh m club uh i guess S&M studio really would be more the the thing uh in New York and just interviewed all the dominatrixes and uh some of the clients um it's kinda of light i don't know he's he's not one of my favorite film uh documentary filmmakers anyway i think a lot well, for of his me stuff because, is kind of, uh
5: there's more bullshit in most of his docs than in the michael moore docs
1: yeah yeah no he, he he's just documentarian light but uh he did do a, a movie called fetishes which to its credit did actually most of the interviews take place with professional dominatrixes and uh more than anything than what we're talking about here with these films tonight it's interesting because uh he talks to a lot of these women about their hopes and dreams beyond what they're doing right now you know most of them admit that Men are easy to manipulate, so I'm doing this to make some money. And when I make my money, I'll leave and go to college. I want to be a dentist or whatever. You know, I mean, it's an interesting and to go documentary. With that,
5: there's one thing that Fifty Shades really gets wrong. If it was a real S&M relationship with the way the powers are, the woman would be the dom, dominant, dominant personality. And Gray, with all his power, would be the submissive one.
1: I would we well, agree with that. Well, yeah, that—that's what I was saying before when we first started talking about this. Is uh, you know, I kind of mentioned it as an aside, but really, that's the. Isn't that really the whole point? Um, the submissive in the relationship really has all the power in a real, in that real regard, not in something yeah. like Fifty Shades of Grey, but in it in an actual regard, it's like, you know, hey, if some girl said to me, hey, you can do whatever you want to me whenever you want to me and all you have to do is uh, pay the rent, doesn't she really have all the power? Do you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's, that's what it really boils down to, right? I mean, in, in that regard. But in the, the whole Fifty Shades thing, it's like do whatever you want to me whenever you want to me. Blah blah, I'm a bland, faceless template of a woman. Like, yeah, it's disgusting, and it goes along uh, w- exactly with what we were talking about before. Where that's that's just disrespecting. Uh, uh, and okay. uh, we'll uh, now about I think now... About, Go ahead, about
0: when
5: we the... when we get back. This song is one that uh, Carl begged me to play for you.
0: Oh yes, the only
6: one on the playlist, guys. That's mine.
5: And okay, here we go.
8: Oh,
5: ever since my masochistic baby went and left me, he
8: had left
0: you a (laughs) (laughs) I got
5: nothing.
0: Nothing to hear
3: but the wall. Oh, wall.
5: She loved me. When I beat her,
3: oh they do love her.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: but then I started acting
0: sweeter. sweeter do. Ah, and that ain't no way to treat her
3: at all. Oh, <laughs> she is the one that I'm dreaming of, and you always hurt
0: her. Why you love it ever since Massa the baby when left. Hit but the world What you know oh, Nothing to build for my pants Yes, no. so. <laughs> I'm Nothing to whip for the cream Yes, I'm a Nothing to beat but the age or dollar No, nothing to punch but the clock oh, No, oh, nothing there. to strike for a match Save my boy
3: When they got into it You don't want to listen to
0: me
6: I love that song (laughs) I love that song God I love that song I used to do that I used to do uh, uh, Coffee houses uh, When I was in college And uh, I would do that song And there was a, a woman friend of mine that uh, would prance around to the leather teddy with that song. Love that song. Anyway.
5: Okay, the first film that I want to talk about, I know uh, Carl hasn't seen, but hopefully Nathan has. It's The Story of Joanna.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's The yep. Story yep. of Joanna. Absolutely. Yep. yep.
5: That is about. Jamie Gillis is a man who gets a woman And When they fall in love He starts teaching her how to be A submissive Right And through the movie half, a quarter away we don't know why he's doing it And then it comes out that he's dying
0: Spoiler alert he says,
5: Well it's a spoiler alert Yeah but the reason he's teaching her to be well to go with the point, I have to be slow. The reason that he's teaching her to be submissive is so she could learn how to be dominant. So right. because of him leaving all of her all of his bad <laughs> fortune to him.
6: It's an interesting film. It uh, we should make a point that it is a hardcore film, Um, and and I think it really has a a
5: trashy film. It's the only hardcore film to have to stop the film in the middle twenty minutes for a ballet scene.
6: Oh, absolutely! It is a seventies porn film, which means generally there was story and there was actually some semblance of acting. Though Jamie Gillis is not exactly there. Uh, but uh, who directed that? Do you know? Uh,
5: Gerard Damiano.
6: Okay, it is Damiano. Uh, I wasn't sure. Um, It's a a film I have to mention, and and, uh, it was actually mentioned previously, is The Image or Punishment of Anne too, by Rivalry Metzger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is not. A That's another one that has
5: an interesting ending.
6: Absolutely, and I think Metzger does it better. Okay, I I do.
5: Oh, both
6: uh, of them are great. No, they're both really image. good films. But I think Metzger does it better because there's more there, there's more social comment to it, uh, and and more you can tell the image the was not created
5: for the raincoat crowd.
6: Yeah, and Metzger was not. Real, I mean, Metzger was the raincoat crowd, but it was the one on Wall Street. It was the real classy one. And, and, and uh, Metzger uh,
5: was... Uh, you've heard an old joke in rock terms, like, when they have a guy who's a great guitarist, and they're like, well, I don't know one I like him. He said, oh, he's the one, all the guys that you love like. That's who Metzger was.
0: Yeah, He was right, the so guy, right all the it.
5: other
6: adult guys wanted to be or respected the most. Oh absolutely. And and if you uh I'm a huge Metro fan because because he does uh he he does erotic right. He does it really, really well. And and uh, I I do like his softcore better than his hardcore, but his hardcore opening the Misty Beethoven under the name Henry Paris and and uh various others that he did are like the best of them by far. Uh opening uh Misty Beethoven is basically the Pygmalion story, which is another story that has a lot to do with, with transference, which we really hadn't gotten into. Um and that of course is But the, the thing is, is that ladies.
5: unlike Pygmalion, the ending of this Dave Beethoven doesn't end with the whole fetch my slippers girl type of now you're my woman, you're in my place type thing.
6: No, it doesn't. Not at all. And it ends exactly the the way Pygmalion does. Okay? Uh it's 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 a it's a really, really good film for uh, a hardcore Porn film, it's it's one of the best, and it's certainly, you know, my my choice is best.
5: Both of those hardcore films, if you can find them in R-rated versions, if you're really not into the hardcore stuff, they're worth seeking out for that. And I
6: actually think Vinegar Syndrome is coming out with with a new cut of um, Missy Beethoven. I'm not sure. I've read that somewhere though.
5: They've already got Missy Beethoven out on Blue.
6: Okay, they do have it out on blue, okay.
5: Yeah. It just has the one scene that most video copies cut out.
6: Oh, I know the scene you're talking about, yes.
5: Yeah. But the uh, major one which I really shunted talking about before now is Secretary.
6: Absolutely. We gotta go. This there. is the
5: one when everybody if you look if you've really been keeping up with the movie, ninety percent of the people comparing fifty shades to anything is they're comparing it to Secretary. And why Secretary is better. And yes I do agree that it is.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I have not read the Fifty Shades books. I have not seen the movie, clearly, obviously. But uh yeah, The Secretary uh it does seem to have more, you know, there's more of that that reality to it. You know, the more like fun, like my absolute favorite scene in The Secretary is when uh Maggie Gyllenhaal calls James Spader from dinner at her parents' house and says, you know, uh oh well what, what are we having for dinner? And she and he says, you know, eat a scoop of mashed potatoes, four peas, and as much ice cream as you want. Like, you know, there's something about that that's so playful, but it still fits into the construct of the movie that just makes that relationship so much more believable than any of the bullshit that I've seen on the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer. Okay. The other thing I have to say about Secretary is that it's written and I
6: forget who wrote it but there was an original uh a novelette that it's based on that's real literature
1: it's written yeah, yeah. well N- not not a not a uh, not a twilight knockoff yeah uh, hell no and and again
6: the movie really focuses on 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 the social uh aspect of the relationship. And the thing that really sets it apart is a sense of, of freedom that happens to both Gilding and Stater
1: at the yes. end of the movie,
6: where they realize that this is where they need to be.
1: Yeah, well, there seems to be an actual, like, you know, the, the uh, initial interaction are kind of standoffish, but they genuinely seem to fall in love with one another without, you know, you can imagine that movie without the whole S and M, uh, aspect of it. And you can see like why these two people would actually fall in love with each other and agree with whatever, you know, that's one thing we haven't discussed, uh, over the course of this is that it's not just all about, uh, S and M, like every relationship has its curious picadillos, you know, like oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be about you know, whether you're gonna tie your girlfriend up or you know, I mean, Christ, some you know, some people
7: don't
1: you know, some people don't uh, don't like blow jobs, you know, some guys don't like blow jobs, some girls don't like to have their boobs touched. I mean, there there's so much to every relationship, you know, that it I, and
5: what I, and I, I think that's big... about the movie is that when she's when she goes like, when she gets to the park she's like, Okay, let's go for it. What do you mean? Let's do this twenty four hours a day. He doesn't go with it. He freaks out.
6: Yeah, off right Absolutely. And then you know, he I mean, he's like, What the fuck
5: what is...? it just seems like he hires the secretaries and dominates them, but when it becomes from when it goes
1: from sex into emotion, he goes, "Whoa, uh, no, no." Well, well, when she first shows up for the interview at the beginning of the movie, his uh, his uh, office is in disarray because he clearly hasn't had a secretary for a while. And then, well, no, the
5: last secretary was the one they showed at the very beginning, going out crying.
1: Right. But the office is all in disarray. Uh, and, and, you know, he hasn't been, you know, he, you know, that, that I guess that's my kind of takeaway from the movie is that not only does she become his sex slave, but also his, she actually becomes his secretary. She manages all that stuff. She pulls it all together. And, you know, again, yeah, this just goes back to, it goes back to what we were talking about. It's, it's the transference of power. Suddenly she actually is in control. She's got, she's yeah, keeping his this together and...
5: uh yeah, but that's the only movie that really gets the control part right. Right. Well, the, you know, being, becoming the sub, she is the one in control.
6: Well, it's not, it's not becoming a slut. It's, 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 it's what he said. It's, she takes on so much responsibility that, that he is in awe of it, I think. And, and and that's what freaks him out is that there's somebody who actually wants it done the way he wants. And he can't like, Oh my God, he wants that rejection. You know, the, the you know, he wants the secretary to leave and, and maybe be best because that'll get him the, the, uh, impetus to get another one and abuse, you know, or abuse or, or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, it's 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 very interesting that he has to realize that he's got to let control go, that he doesn't have that control. He never
1: did. And that's what makes the movie absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the most telling scene that speaks to that is when she brings the donuts and he throws them in the trash. Absolutely. He's really hoping that she's going to leave when she sees the donuts in the trash, but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And...
5: And the funniest thing is, right after she leaves,
1: he takes the donuts out of the trash. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, I'll it, eat a Maggie Gyllenhaal trash donut. I'm not ashamed.
5: <laughs>
1: I. Uh, it's very you know, I mean, interesting. Maggie that's...
5: Gyllenhaal isn't what you would call a regular beauty.
6: No, so not at all. Just watching her
5: in that movie after she's empowered and gets the dress and gets the food.
6: God, <laughs> But but it's it's more than that. It's about the transformance of her too. Okay. Yeah, she, and I think fifty eight
5: the first of the doesn't movies she's a
6: No, it's it's she's about just how, how she in an
5: insane asylum because they thought because she accidentally cut too deep that she was suicidal.
6: Well, you know, the other thing too is that it's it's this transformative sense of the movie that this relationship transforms her or makes her better,
0: and, and
6: and it is a testament to you know if I knew people that were in that relationship that type of relationship, you know that's the type of relationship you want, where it's a transformative uh, uh, relationship and a loving relationship. You know, whatever you act, you act in, in, in the privacy of your own home. That's fine. But but most films, as we've touched on, doesn't have that sense. And this movie is absolutely incredibly important because it does bring that point to, to mind. And it is a film that, that uh, I am very, very much fond of
1: are either one of uh, are either one of you familiar uh we were talking about uh like belle du jour and uh some of those other films are anyone uh, have either one of you ever seen a movie I don't know if it's called the Frightened Woman or a Frightened Woman
6: no, I don't uh, know it at all
1: it It's very similar. I can't find much information about it online but it was one of those things uh there used to be a video store close to my house. And uh, it was, you know, just one of those, like, dream video stores that that's just so amazing. It was a little mom-and-pop place. Uh, Stephen and I have talked about this before. They let you rent whatever you wanted with no real uh, destination. You know, you, uh, just do whatever you want. Oh, sure, you're 12 years old. Go ahead. Rent Last House on the left. Whatever, dude, you know. Um, but I remember seeing this movie, and I can't find a copy of it now. It was either called The Frightened Woman or A Frightened Woman, but it was very similar to Secretary, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, this girl goes to a uh, – it, uh, it was a foreign film, but it was an English-language film, so I can't I can't pinpoint exactly what foreignality – what, what's, what's, the, what's the term? Foreignability. Uh, yeah. I don't know.
0: But, uh, but, yeah.
1: but but yeah um you know this this young woman goes to to this mansion out in the middle of nowhere and this guy starts showing her around and he's got all these women in bondage and uh you know oh it's 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 a very strange film but again it based on to an that, island that she goes to Yeah I I can't like I said I can't remember it's one of those
5: looks weird has makeup on his face
1: yeah, he's, he's a weirdo, and he's got all these women in bondage, and he invites Girl this woman to get some... Girl of Morgan some... It's what?
6: Uh, yeah, it's the love... That, that's it.
5: Girl Slaves of Morgan Lefay. It's out, Macabro.
1: Ah, see, the I saw it under the title, A Frightened Woman, or The Frightened Woman, or something like that. But, yeah, if you but... don't remember,
5: we touched on that on... We touched on that in my video store show, how... Many times, movies would have many different titles.
1: Oh, well, I never heard of anything like that. A movie can have more than one title? (laughs) Oh, I never knew. Thanks for telling me. (laughs) Well done, sir. Well done. (laughs) No, but, uh, yeah, that's a movie that I I think falls in that along the same lines of, like, what we were talking about. Like, uh you know, uh Secretary Belle de she uh she get you know, this girl comes out there and then she's like, Nope, this isn't this isn't what's gonna happen. You know, I'm gonna take control in this situation, you know. There's another one of those like uh weirdo I don't know. But most the-
5: films I- you'll see you uh, S&M just has a forbidden spice. The biggest, One of the best examples I've got of that is The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward.
6: Yes. Which mm-hmm. I, I own,
5: by, by the her way. Her in a kinky S&M type relationship with uh, what's his name? He was a man in Deep River.
6: Oh, I can't think of his name right now.
5: blonde hair guy. Ivan Rasimov. If you say so, Yeah, I have off. Well, the first 20 minutes shows like her having S&M scenes, kinky scenes of him. That doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. And it's pretty much forgotten once they're over.
6: Uh, it's, it's a strange film. It's not exactly successful. It's an interesting film, though.
1: Hmm. You know, uh, Another like uh, a movie I was thinking about when we were getting ready for this. uh, Bitter Moon, Roman Polanski. Oh, absolutely! I have it it down. Don't
5: forget what movie is his? It hasn't come out here yet, and I can't wait for it. Don't forget what movie he did last year.
1: I already forgot. Venus and Furs. Oh, did he? I haven't seen it. Yeah, his
5: version of Venus and Furs. In his version, the Venus and Furs shows up when uh, Mosk is doing a stage show of Venus and Furs, and this woman comes there, and it's about the relationship from there.
6: Hmm, interesting. But Bare Moon in- is a very interesting film, uh, and it's uh, actually transference of four people, not two, which makes it more interesting. Yeah, uh,
1: it's a it's it's intriguing, like it it to me it's lesser polanski like it's one of his uh, the only way i can describe it is it's one of his slightest films right. i guess you know it, I, it I, I, it's, I, it's so little polanski in it that i don't really feel like it's a polanski film but then i watch it and i'm like oh yeah this has polanski written all over it you know it, it it's it's i can't really describe it but it's i have a weird uh association with that film but uh but yeah again I, I i think that speaks back to the transference of power thing that we were talking about before where you know here's this rich successful guy who's attracted to this woman and she moves in and kind of dominates the situation in a way that's just uh, it's it's an amazing film to to watch and rewatch yeah. You know,
6: there, there's a lot of films like that, and there's two that we haven't mentioned.
1: Uh,
6: and one, and I'll let uh, Stephen mention the one we were talking about this earlier. Uh, but there's a movie by Curtis Harrington called Games. Are you familiar with that?
5: Oh yeah, Games
6: yeah. Uh, James no, no, Cagney and Catherine Ross. No, Roth I
5: don't.
6: And, like in this older woman comes into their household, and it's all about uh playing sexual games uh like Jack the Ripper and that, and how she subverts the whole thing and- and it, and, and it's a, played more as a thriller, but it is a really fine film, and I love Harrington, I think he's one of the most unforgotten. Filmmakers we have, and it's a really good. Yeah, what was the but one you
5: wanted me to mention?
6: Oh, there, there was another. It wasn't negatives. It was. Um,
5: yeah, no, we were
6: ta- we were talking about this. I can't remember. <laughs>
5: That's what happens when you grow old, folks.
6: <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm grandpa. Sorry, guys.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. Uh, oh, oh gosh. and
5: I can mention the one that I consider to be the worst, and I hate it, even though most people in S and M like it, and that's Nine and a Half Weeks.
1: No, I've I've never been a fan of that movie, and
5: Mickey Rourke is such an unlikable asshole in this film that after twenty minutes, you're looking at Kim Baster like, why are you staying with this prick?
1: For me, it, it's more like I, I came into that movie from the other side. It didn't have anything to do with my interest in looking for, like, kinky movies or anything. It was more just like, you know, as a fan of cinema, as as you both know, as, as you grow and expand, people are always telling you this is a movie you have to watch, you have to watch, you have to watch. So nine and a half weeks, all right, I'll watch it. You know, I worked at a video store for ten years. So if you tell me a movie I need to watch, I can probably go grab it off the shelf and watch it. Nine and a half weeks never did it for me. Didn't? I I don't I would see any. I consider nine and a
5: half weeks the the the, the brother to Fifty Shades because here's nine and a half weeks plot. It's a spoiler, and I don't give a damn. Guy, girl meets guy. Guy treats girl like shit. She thinks he that she's. Well, he's wonderful. Then he treats her like a whore. He thinks she's wonderful. He lets her get raped by a woman. He thinks she's wonderful. He says something mean to her. She leaves.
1: (laughs) I I think, uh, would you like to just write that review down? We'll put it on the website. Get it up there. <laughs> just get it right up on uh, Don't no, no, I'm to movie, like movie posters. That's the kind there's of movie posters. <laughs> Four Nice. Nice. I think maybe we should just start a whole uh, a whole new section on, on these on the website. Four line movie reviews.
5: <laughs>
1: I would love that.
5: But seriously, that's the whole movie. There's no there's no death to it.
1: No, I like I said, I never I never liked it, you know, uh for all the various genres of movies I enjoy. There's always the movies that people tell you you absolutely have to watch if you wanna be a film fan, if you wanna be a film critic, if you wanna be a film maker. I, I just I don't know, nine and a half weeks never did it for me. I just didn't didn't like it. And and, and I, I, I like Mickey Rourke. I like Kim Bassinger. I who directed that? Wasn't Wasn't that like Adrian Lin? Adrian Lin.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Adrian
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like, what, why line didn't I? Adrian Line, that's that
5: only had one good film, in my opinion. Please. Jacob's
1: Ladder. Oh, please don't. I was going to say, please don't say Jacob's Ladder. Come on.
5: What's the one you going di- to say?
1: I don't dislike Jacob's Ladder. I'm just saying don't say that's the only good film he ever directed. What's the other one? Your mom. mom. Your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't
5: he do
6: Midnight Express, too? No, that was Alan Parker. No, no, no. That wasn't. No, he did not do Midnight Express.
1: No, No, Midnight Express. uh, Who did direct Midnight Express? uh, Alan Parker. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, Alan Parker. And didn't uh, Oliver Stone write that?
6: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one other film I want to mention before we disappear—I mentioned it very briefly at the beginning. Yeah, uh, it's not exactly S and M territory, but it is definitely fetishistic, and that's Cronenberg's Crash. Mmm. Yeah. Which, which is very, very disturbing. <laughs> to say no, you—you
5: you would say because most of the ones that put in the top S and M films they include Crash. Oh yeah. I, I would think so
6: but but again it's not it's it, for those listeners who don't know the film it's uh about uh, this couple that have lost their 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 uh loving relationship and get into a crash and they 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 find that they're uh, uh sexually charged by it and they get into this subculture it's based on a novel by j. G. Ballard who is a great, you know, science fiction writer and and uh 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 just very, very dark, dark film. And of course it's Cronenberg, so of course he's gonna go at it. But this is one of those films that I mentioned where you get a real director who has a a specific point and of course, you know, Cronenberg is, is very much a uh, existentialist. Uh, in film, and he just puts his camera on it and doesn't judge or anything. There's no judgment in the movie.
5: No, that's and again, the problem I had with it—that it is so cold and detached that I really couldn't get into it.
6: Uh, but but that that is an artistic decision, and of course, yeah. he is not a warm filmmaker. Let's face it: the man is not a warm filmmaker and 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 the film to me is is absolutely fantastic and though it's not exactly in 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 the territory that we've been talking
1: about today, I think it's certainly
6: connected and it needs to have a mention
1: yeah i I agree completely and um I agree that I think you know crash uh i a fan i'm a fan of the novel and I'm a fan of the film, and I think. Uh, the whole gray, detached. Um, I mean, you know, what version of whatever city they're supposed to be in is it where, um, you know, we're looking at this gray cityscape with these uh, all these intersecting highways, but there's never any cars except for the cars that they're driving in their, you know, fetishistic um, attempt at recreating these car crashes, no, it's an amazing film, and I I agree. It definitely has an S and M bend to it, where these people have, you know, they've lost that. I I think that's that. It, it, it's a companion piece to Videodrome, to Corn oh, and where absolutely. you know we people, video
0: people, people,
6: Well, we talked about Videodrome last time. Is- yeah, we yeah, talked about Robert
5: Videodrome last time I was on and your show. That's the trigger for the hallucinations.
1: Right, and, and I think uh, Crash is definitely a companion piece to Videodrome where it, it 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 questions that, how far do you have to push something to, how far do you have to push pain to find pleasure, I guess, is is what what both of those films question.
6: Well, it's not and, pain and pleasure as it is, it, to me, as it is, you know, finding the spark to live on, it's its finding yeah. a way to get past the depression. Oh, yeah. Um,
5: uh, and uh, the people in Crash what, are all addicted to pleasure, all addicted to the next kick, and they're each taking it to the next level. And the ultimate level is what happens to uh, the guy who's the leader of them.
6: Right, Elias Cosias. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What
5: happens to him at the end of the film is the ultimate, and that's why the last line of the film is maybe next time. Yeah,
6: it's it it, it, it is a a very very disturbing film, and and uh, the difference I think between Video drama and, and Crash is that Video drama was really uh, uh, influenced by Marshall McLuhan, and it was more about the uh, information age and it was all about yeah. how we process information whereas this really is more internal than drum, much more internal crashes because it's about these people trying to find a spark why to live on and of course this is what, what connects Cronenberg to the material because that's one of his questions that he does throughout
1: all his films yeah, it it's so, you know, I always I always draw this line between uh the directors that I love. I always draw this line between their best film and my favorite film. You you know what I mean? Their oh, their, totally. best, their best film might not be my favorite film. And uh, you know, for a long time my favorite Cronenberg film was Videodrome, but I thought his best film was Crash. But then I don't. I don't know. He's done some amazing movies since then. Uh, History of Violence, uh, Spider. I mean, oh, Spider, was, I love. These aren't the things we're talking about now. But uh, just uh, off on a little geek out. But God, Cronenberg is an amazing director. I've we'll not it. seen That's that the I, I have to, to do
5: later. Two. One is uh, Radley Metzger show. One is Cronenberg. And who was the other guy? And oh yeah, Freeman. Free Larry Cohen.
6: Oh Larry Cohen, we have to do. Okay, I love yeah. Larry Cohen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm down. Well, I
5: hope you all have a good valent. Everybody has a good Valentine's Day weekend weekend. And go tomorrow you know, next week. this weekend. Weekend. Listen to some of the types we said probably enjoy them a lot more. And what do you want me to tell?
6: Uh, just tell them about what's happening next week.
5: Well, next week, health and life for forgiving. For Please get well, Vicky. You have to. It's an order.
0: We'll be doing a
5: special Vicky Sci-Fi Corner which she is a real hardcore, serious sci-fi geek. So those of you that are bored with all the science fantasy that's out there will probably enjoy that.
6: Absolutely. And and I'll be co-hosting. Vicki and I go back quite a ways, and we're real good friends. And it's really nice that, that Stephen is giving her a chance to come on and do her own show. So, so please... Come, come join us next week. I guarantee you it will be entertaining with the two of us go after each other. It's quite a quite a feat, I'll tell you. Yeah. And thank you,
5: Nate, for coming in and helping us at the last moment with this. Oh, absolutely. You were fantastic, man.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Anytime, you know, I'm always here Sunday night. Um, you know, and, uh, what can I say? I know everything you ever want to know about any movie ever. So, uh, <laughs> Hey, here I am. You're
6: humble too. I like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me guys. I, it was a, it was a blast as always. And, uh, I can't wait to do it again. All right. Okay. Good have night, a good night. Thanks for coming. All right. Good night guys.
7: That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> yeah.
3: Open the circuit to the wave motion gun. Open the circuit. the All the ship's energy is now with the wave motion gun. I doubt anyone here was exercising circuits versus circuits. Reached up and bit you in the ass. Oh, did I hurt your
0: feelings?
2: You're not needed, right? There's a war coming. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. You sure you're on the right side? I'm still mister, baby.